Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast. We are here to reflect on another Sunderland game. They avoided defeat, but unfortunately, they threw away a two-goal lead. So not very happy, I think, are most people who support Sunderland at the moment. Joining myself, Stephen Goldsmith, as always, is Gareth Barker. Hello. Hello. That's it. Still well, you're, still, you're still working on, on, on something to come in with. Well, what's wrong with Hello. Well, just it's not great broadcasting, Gareth, is it? Really, we've, been, it, we've only what, been doing we've only been doing this for nine years or something. What do you mean? Like, what, what do you mean it's not great? Saying hello. Well, you should come in with like a you know an not anecdote or like yeah, a catchphrase even definitely. Nobody wants to know about my life. Boring. But that in itself could nothing. be interesting. I guess. Could be like an anecdote from like <laughs> Family Fortunes or something where they're like, "You're um, tell us about that time you uh, yeah." You couldn't find the um, place to put the shopping trolley back in the in the car park. Right? Well, I tried one and I couldn't get the pound out the trolley, so I tried another it. one and the, the pound was stuck. Yeah, and that'd be it. Sociability on air. Just this do one it. of them. That's what people want to be eased into broadcasting <laughs> by pointless small talk no. like this. So we'd moved on from that. Yeah, yeah. Tell Everyone's us about doing that this ta- now. Tell us that time you went. Tell us about the time you went on that skiing trip and what happened when you opened the bag. Exactly. There was only one. There was only one ski there. Exactly. Yeah. That, that, I'll, I'll come up with one every week. I'll start watching like um, quiz shows from the like eighties and nineties, and then like get all the best uh, anecdotes. And then before we record, I'll cue you in with like I'll say this week I've I've um, been doing this and uh, I've I've watched this um, and the, this is your in and then I'll do the anecdote from the. Or maybe uh, we'll just show. plan our own actual genuine ones and boring no. stuff. No, so, no, yeah. my life is duller than the man who had one ski. And <laughs> well, he, he mustn't have a dull life if he's off skiing. <laughs> I would suggest. Well. I mean, like that's not good. That's not well. I've never, depends, I've never been skiing. I haven't been skiing. No. Never even been down uh, silky. Down uh, silky. When I was a kid. A well, I've been skiing. So. Well, never been in skiing holiday or anything. Have um, you ever been on skiing holiday, Danny? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't been. No, no. Uh, fancy the old broken leg, to be honest, guys. Uh, no, I've not been. Not been. <laughs> the voice of Danny Collins there, who uh, is also joining us. I always always feel guilty actually just talking about introductions, Danny. Maybe I should have provided some like stats and stuff like that. You can get over familiar with people. And I feel like maybe I'm not doing you justice. I should have like X amount of games for Sunderland and X amount of goals, all that stuff. What else um, did you want to throw in there? Not was it a Northeast writers player of the year once or something? Possibly in there, yeah, there was possibly. Uh, Come on. Like, yeah. that's, like that trophy's <laughs> not like a pride of place somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, yeah, it was a nice one actually. It's like a glass boot. It was quite nice to be fair. But uh, I, I don't know what else have we got in there. Covered, covered now over a hundred Ask Dannys, I think, post match. So yeah, racking them up. Yeah, you should print them all out. Just print all the hashtag out and <laughs> and, and store them. We got a question about that actually. We'll we'll get onto those later on. But we've uh, we've avoided talking about the the match. Uh, as much as we can, no way of dressing us up, Danny. You, um, it's one of those, isn't it? Where if you're two goals down and you call back to draw two two, you're happy. If you're winning two yeah. nil at Fleetwood Town with 12 minutes left of the game and you draw the game, you're not going to be happy about that, are you? No, it was disappointing. Of course, you were, you know, two nil up as you mentioned there with what 10, 15 minutes to go. Um, I don't think Fleetwood had really laid a glove on us throughout the game. One, one half chance first half, didn't they? Where Hoffman came out and smothered it. Um, and then we were almost in cruise control. I don't think we really got going second half, um, but we still had the odd chance. You know, McGeady had a good effort. Gooch had a good effort. And then I actually called, I said I said on comms, I thought, you know, we're, we're, we're almost home and dry. You couldn't see them getting back into it. And then all of a sudden they start throwing a few balls forward. Uh, Morton came to life, really. He went out to that left-hand side and obviously gets them back into it with that goal. And then uh, right at the death there to Sickner, I know a lot of fans will say, well, you know, you Go away from home, you're happy to take a point, but in the circumstances when you're 2 0 up, you're top of the table, comfortable in the game. And you know, that was a it was a it was a massive blow, wasn't it? 95th minute. Um, if if Bailey Wright obviously gets in a bit of a tussle up there, the ball drops into Hoffman's gloves. If it's not a penalty, that's the full-time whistle. Ref ref gives the penalty, obviously, and then it's a different story. Instead of getting back on the coach with the three points, it's it's one point. Penalty, in your opinion? Yeah, again, only seeing it from the the one angle on Saturday, looking at it three or four times. It's a difficult one because we don't win the first one. That's what does the damage. That big diagonal comes into the box. We don't compete well enough, I don't think, for that one. It gets knocked down. And I think Bailey Wright's actually in a pretty decent position. He's between the man and the goal, as you'd want your centre-half to be. And he, he doesn't really need to be grabbing his shirt as much. You always want contact as a centre-half, as a defender. You want to be feeling your man, you know, getting tight to him and almost shepherding the ball back to the goalie. But you can see it, and I've seen it from another angle uh, this afternoon, where he's almost got too much of the lad's shirt, so you can see why the referee's given it. And you can't argue, I don't think, either way, if he doesn't give it, you think maybe we got away with one there, um, but then you see it and he gives it, and you can't really argue, to be honest. I think it was soft, personally, but yeah. I thought our penalty was soft as well. So I think... Normally, I would look at that and I would say that's not a penalty. I like in the context of that as an isolated incident, I don't think it was a penalty personally. However, if the refs already give one for something similar in the context of the game, then you know you have to say he's he's blown up for those, and he should be aware of that, right? Shouldn't he? Yeah, I, th- I think the difference, Stephen, and, and looking at Luke O'Nines, the one he's given for us, uh, the, the lad's got the wrong side of Luke. He's had a panic up, hasn't he? Luke, although Luke's won the header. He's got two arms around his waist and that's what I say in terms of being goal side, whereas Bailey is in a good position in that one. He just doesn't really have to make as much contact as he was pulling the lad's shirt, whereas the other lad's had a panic up. Luke's got wrong side of him and I can see why the refs give it. Now, whether the, the Fleetwood lads have had one or two words with the referee, you know, since what was that, 74, 75 minutes when, when we got the penalty, uh, it's maybe in the ref's head then thinking, ooh, have, have I given a bit of a, as you mentioned there, a bit of a soft penalty and is he looking to equal it up and balance it out? And, you know, maybe it is. But I don't think, as I said that, I don't think you can argue it. Um, you know, we've all been guilty and, and corners come in and wide free kicks come in and you're always looking to to get a, a bit of a grab on your man. Um, but, you know, you see them giving and you, and you don't see them giving. So you can't really argue for me on that one now. 
Anything to add, Gareth? <laughs> no, I thought like no, we're even moving on then. Neither, neither seemed like <laughs> normal penalties that you get. Like how many times do you see that happen in the game? But once he's given one, he's going to give the other. It was just a whole like thing. You just end up. I think everyone's guilty, and like I know people will say, well, the players shouldn't like think the job's done. But I think there was that definitely definite feeling 100%. that like right we've done because they did didn't really do a lot in the game, and I think we just felt once we got that second, that was it. And then, yeah, I mean, it was a nice, it was a nice move from their perspective for this for the for their first goal, I guess. Um, so it was good movement off the left from Morton, and then it was a good pass. Um. And like a nice finish. He looks like a decent player. He does actually, Morton. Thought he was better when he went to the left side. And he thought he was quite good for Lincoln last year against us. They dealt um, with him first half, though, I thought. It was, yeah, yeah, well, it was so he yeah. went that way. He went, he went to the left side, didn't he? And he sort of Winchester, obviously, like the, the defenders like the, they like to defend the width of the box now, don't they? That's like the thing. And he seemed to be sort of taking advantage of that way. He was kind of coming in from that left side. On, on Winchester's blind side, he did it a couple of times, and obviously it's worked on that occasion where he's not picked them up and he's he's got in. Yeah, I think um, looking at it, I've listened to a few people's comments, and a lot of people are digging Bailey right out for me on that one. And I think if you look at the goal back, and you, you know you can slow it down and break it down as the ball's coming across the pitch there. Uh, it looks like the lad's going to wrap it into to Bailey Wright's got his man on the edge of the box. He's two yards in front of him, and he looks like he's going to play it into his feet. And I just think Winchester's got more to, uh, he's there. But I think what, what the problem with Winchester is, there's a man coming on the overlap on the far side and he thinks the play is going to continue out there. And he just switches off. He, he's almost rooted to the spot and he doesn't get a block in. He doesn't match his run. And people are saying, well, why has Bailey Wright stepped out of there and left the hole? Well, because he's got his man in front of him. If Winchester, for me, blocks his man, goes with his run, and then that, that puts a, an end to the danger, really. So... You know, people can look at it in two ways for me, but I would edge towards, you know, can Winchester do a better job in there? And I think you see his reaction as well. Once the lad scored, Morton scores, he puts his hand on his head as if to say, oh, no, I should have gone with him there. So that's my my views well, on it. It's, it's, every player's done it, Danny, at every level, but obviously you play at the top level. How how common is it just to switch off when you think the job's done? That was complacency, wasn't it? It's, uh, it happens quick, Steve. You know, again, when you see even on match of the day and when they break goals down, everything's in slow motion. It, it's always easy to pick the bones out of goals. And, you know, from an attacking point of view, it's a good move. From a defensive view, what's gone wrong? And I'm sure they'll do that at the training ground. Lee Johnson and the coaching staff will look at it and, and say, you know, what could we have done better? And I don't think uh, Winchester's got the space or the time to, to try and pass him on to Bailey Wright. You know, they're, they're five yards apart, aren't they? And it's happening quick. The ball comes into the the midfielder who's, who's then looking to thread the ball through, which he does. And then Morton's on his way. And as I say there, if Winchester's alert to where he is on his right side, he either blocks him, gets his arm across him, or just matches his run. And then I think he sees the danger out. Uh, they, had, they had one uh, five, ten minutes earlier, didn't they, where he almost got in. He, they threaded a ball in behind um, Winchester and Morton ran onto it again. But Winchester managed to recover. And Morton had a slightly heavy touch, which favoured uh, Winchester to come back and he made a good sliding tackle. So the, as, as Gareth said, once he went out to that left-hand side, they brought Joe Garner on at half-time, played him through the middle, almost went with a, a front three. And, and then uh, Morton was more effective from that left-hand side. He had a couple of runs, almost <laughs> warning signs, and then uh, it came about with the goal. So that's 
individually switching off and like you, you know your man goes past and you're like oh shit I should have I've let, I've let him go there what about what Gareth hinted to there because I agree that yep. collectively you score and with 12 minutes left to go 2-0 up have they switched off in terms of jobs done a little bit here does it, has it, has it made them a little bit lazy do you think I think uh, goals aside, I don't think we got going second half. I thought we were good first half. We got joy. We got an easy down either side. You know, I think Gooch and also Winchester overlapping him on the right-hand side and then down this left-hand side, Sirkin, who I thought perhaps had his best game for us at the weekend, uh, alongside with McGeady. They had a back three and their, their outside centre-halves didn't want to come and get involved. They, didn't want, they were almost looking after the, uh, the centre-half, Tom Clark, in there. They wanted to stand alongside him. They wanted their wing-backs to come and help out and we were just getting in for fun. And then all of a sudden, they make a change at half-time. And we, we, we went away from what we were doing well, I felt, first half. Um, although we still had one or two opportunities, and we looked like we could hurt them on the counter-attack. But then they, they came into the game because you always expect the opposition to have a, a period in the game. You're never going to dominate a match for 90 minutes, especially with Fleetwood being at home. And I don't think they've done anything you know, tremendous or you know, that, that caught us out by playing you know, flowing football. They, they threw a few balls forward. And we, and we dropped a little bit deep again, as we've seen. I think the only game where we haven't really dropped deep late on in the game was perhaps the Wickham, Wickham match, but we were 3-0 up, weren't we? And I know they got the, uh, the consolation goal late on. But other than that, there seemed to be a reoccur- reoccurring pattern in the games where we seem to be good for 60, 70 minutes and then we get a little bit edgy. We start dropping back. And I know fans are questioning this, bringing a defender on late on in games. But I don't think that was the case at the weekend. You know, they got their first goal, but he didn't bring Alves on until the 90th minute. It's not as if we brought him on with 20 minutes to go. Uh, you know, Broadhead was the first substitution that came on and in an effective role going forward. Um, it's just the flow of the game, I feel. You know, you always expect them to have a, a, bit of, a bit of a spell in the game and that's what happened. But we, we from our point of view, I think we need to manage games. I'm sure Aidan McGeady spoke about it. We need to manage games better. You know, take control of the game, possession, move the ball around the pitch while we were at 2-0, take the stuffing out of them, you know, get 20, 30 passes on in, in and around the pitch and then their, their heads go down, they, it deflates them as it was, they get that goal and then their, their tails are up and they think, well, we only need one more goal now and we're back in this and that's what happened. Yeah, Danny refused to dig the players out. You need to release it in a Roy Keane, I feel like, hey, Danny, the ratings, if you want the ratings to really, to really go <laughs> up, you need to like start shouting at them and say, what are you doing switching off? Um, yeah. No, I think I think I saw that from McGeady earlier, and I, and I think that's right. Game down in game management, and I mean, Gareth, you'd only hope that they they learn from it, but it doesn't make it less frustrating, doesn't it? That, that one of the, one of the players identifying what went wrong. It's just it's infuriating looking back. And I know I know I'm, I I put a tweet out saying, um, you know, drawn away from home of Fleetwood probably wouldn't be a reason why you didn't get promoted if you didn't get enough points to get you promoted. And then quickly got shut down when I suggested they might finish in the top half of the league. Um, maybe I haven't been paying attention, but um, in the grand scheme of things, they didn't lose a game. This is still the best start Sunderland have made since they've been at this level. Yeah. Well, they, you know, it, it's, you can't win 46 games. I mean, that doesn't happen. So, you know, you then the reason for that is in sometimes in games, this happens, you have a, a bad 15 minutes and you get punished and that's it. Yeah. And, Sometimes you'll be drawn nil nil, and you'll have, and you've been playing well, and you'll have. I remember, you know, remember when we played, um, you know, Blackpool. I remember when Steve Bruce was in charge, and we had about thirty-five shots, and they scored twice in the last five minutes, and we lost two nil. 
and like we should never have lost that game. That one's that's you know that's just off the top. There'll be loads of games that you play and you think, how on earth have we, have we come out of that game? I mean, Burton's a prime example. There's no way we should have lost that game with Burton. We should have won that game comfortably. Um, but it was kind of the reverse here, where you know we've we've been in full control and then we've we've just chucked it in at the end, you know, through a number of different factors. Um, and that's why you don't. You know, it's hard to win the league and it's hard to get promoted because it doesn't matter who you play. Look in the Premier League at the weekend, you know, Man City draw nil nil with Southampton. Do you know what I mean? It's it, it, that's just a game, and there's probably no point getting like too at this stage of the season. There's no point getting too high, too low. You just got to, you know, take you know, go through the games. I feel the way we've played recently, most games. If we played like we did on Saturday, I think most games we'd probably win the game. If we played like uh, 10 times, I know what Danny's saying about the second half, but I think generally if we played most teams, we'd, we'd win that game. Yeah, I think I think first half, although we were good, the only thing that was letting us down, we didn't really work the goalkeeper enough, did we? I think if no. you look at the, the, the chances, uh, the goal comes from a wide free kick. Uh, McGeady gets in down that left-hand side, fires one over the crossbar. Dan Neal had an effort from 23, 24 yards. Ken's didn't have to make a save did he, in that in that first half, and and then just looking at the other games, um, you know, you're saying that it, it's it's for me it's it's disappointing. You know, yeah, before the game you'd say, oh yeah, you take a point at Fleetwood, would you? Looking at previous record there and and, and this and that, but all the games we have played so far, we've we've not been lucky to come out on top of with a win, have we? It's not as if we we've, we've played poorly. Oh, and we snuck a win. Uh, every even as you mentioned there, the, the Burton game, we arguably one of our best performances. We get beat one 0 so we're still in a good position. We're joint top of the table. Um, it's not all doom and gloom, is it? So it's a great start. Um, just got to go again, I think. And it's just that second half, as you mentioned. And although it's a strange one, because I think defensively, if you're looking at individually, we've been pretty good. I know Tom Flanagan was missing at the weekend, but you know Winchester's been great at right back. Um, Doyle's been decent enough at centre half. Sirkin's sort of finding his feet now as well, isn't he? And then when Flanagan's been in there, Flanagan's been great as well. But we've only had one clean sheet. That's the only downside of it. Is And, and from an attacking aspect, I think the, the negative from the attacking point of view is you look at the game last week against Accrington, we only scored two where if, we, if we'd have scored six or seven in that game, you couldn't have argued. So we need to start putting teams to bed as well, don't we, early on? Yeah, I do hope that happens this season. We put one of these... Uh... Law teams away. Uh, what do we think of the change in midfield? Because I know Dan Dan Neil is sort of flavour of the month at the moment. Um, but I, I I was surprised when his number went up, and I know you you weren't suggesting Danny on comms at the time when you were speculating about who was going to go off. I don't think he was one of the names you mentioned. No, I, I said Luke O'Nine only in the fact that he'd been booked. Danny, he? he took that cheap. It was a you know I said I thought Luke was good at the weekend. By the way, yeah, uh, on, on the ball first half, and you know then combative role in the middle of the park, winning those headers and, and doing the dirty work as well. But he picked up a silly yellow card and then I'm thinking it's just one foul away then from, from getting sent off. So for me, it's a like for like really in bringing Corey Evans on and you've still got Dan Neal on there to, to drive us forward as well because Fleetwood were coming into the game so that they're getting numbers forward. And I think if you're looking at Dan, look at look at the, the last goal against Wickham where he picks up that ball and he drives 30, 40 yards to set up Ross Stewart. So I was thinking, leave Dan on, and, he, and he's capable of doing that. But he takes him off, whether Lee Johnson uh, didn't feel he was affecting the game enough in that second half, uh, and he brought him on. So that's just my opinion. You know, I'm not in the dugout to make those decisions. I'm just on the end of a microphone. 
I don't feel like you'll be a proper broadcaster until one of the Southern players falls out with you, Danny, for something you've said. And the way we will read about in the paper. So Danny Collins should stick to doing this or stick to doing that. That's when you know you've made it as a, uh, as a core comms. What your, your opinion, Gareth, on the midfield situation? Because uh, we, we were saying last week, you know, we had this debate, didn't we? And I know we were saying probably Evans in ahead of all nine was our preference. I actually disagreed with the lads on the preview pod who were who was suggesting they would make that change going for the weekend. I don't, I don't think it's necessary to change a, a winning team necessarily if, if 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 the midfield looks balanced, which I think it did. And as Danny said, all nine had a good game, possibly his best game for us in midfield. Um, and Evans just, he's not a great sub, is he? Strug- struggle, yeah. to get in, struggle to get into the flow of the game. He, he, he feels like, Evans feels like a player on the little scene of him, more a player who dictates the pace of the game rather than a player who comes on and adapts to the pace of the game, if that makes sense. Um, and it feels a little bit like, you know, coming into that game and then obviously them scoring and having that pressure to absorb. And, you know, it, it just... It, I mean, there was the annoying thing of, you know, the last five minutes, how many times did we have the ball, like have a dead ball in that last five minutes? Of added time, like we had throw-ins, opportunities to kill a game, take the ball into a corner, or be a little cuter, and like we kept giving, you know, they retained the ball. Um, I know it's not like Evans's responsibility entirely to to do that, but maybe it's that's reflective of you know maybe having substitutes on at the point in the game where we're you know you got players they weren't quite quite with that. With that flow of the game, I don't know. I mean, Dan, show, Danny might disagree. I mean, well, obviously, he's probably gonna... played in games where that's happened. I just think he's going to show different. up the midfield. Like maybe Embleton was possibly the one to go closer to the centre forward, because Dan Neil still got that. He still got that through ball, hasn't he? He's still got that attacking intent playing from a little bit deeper. So if you had the three of them playing a little bit deeper, I still think you you're carrying a creative threat in the middle there. But I mean, this is hindsight, of course. I think there was enough yeah, to be on the well, pitch, though. Like aside from Neil in other areas, like, but... and we did we did score after Neil went off, yeah. and we did have a good. I think after Neil went off, was in that McGeady chance where he very unlucky not to score. That's a team a made an save. excellent save. It's a great save that isn't a top corner. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I just I just think it comes down to game management, guys. I think a lot, a lot of people will say it, and you know, we've got lads in that team who are more than capable of. Just keep the ball for a little bit, work it around the pitch. I've said it there previously. You know, it's it's a drill what we do time and time again on a training pitch. Uh, you know, a big area, whether it be a nine v nine, half half a pitch, and one team has the ball. There's no goals involved, and you just you know ten passes counts as a goal or something like that. And you work it around the pitch, and it's so deflating when you can't get near them. Um, it almost becomes a mentality thing. I think during the game and think. You know, we were pretty comfortable, as you mentioned there. Corey Evans came on just before 70-odd minutes, so we had a good 20, 25 minutes in the game. Um, you know, Broadhead's come on, and we got the goal after he come on as well, the second one. But then it, it just felt like we were dropping deeper, didn't it? And that we were clearing it. We couldn't get hold of it up top. And then, it, you know, I, I don't think they passed through us too often. It was just a case of them getting it to their full-backs or the centre-half, chucking a few balls on top of us. We weren't quite picking up the second balls as well as we had done in the first half. And... You know, other than the, the you know the goal, the second one. What did Hoffman have to do? Really, he made that one save, didn't he, from the corner? He tipped the you know, header. I think then the the second one came off Corey Evans behind for the corner. But you know, they, they didn't have a lot of chances either. That's the disappointing thing. It's not as if yes, they had 15 minutes of possession, 
And it was the absolute Alamo on top of our goal. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot of defensive stuff to do. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, any any special mentions for anyone else? The keep you mentioned the keeper there. He was a, he was a, a lot better, wasn't he? We, it was important not to get too carried away with it with his performance after the first game, which he did, which he did okay, but he looked very very shaky that first game. But there was a definite improvement, I thought. Yeah, I think first half, you know, that save he made, which was, I think the ref gave a free kick, didn't he? I think Morton gave a little nudge in someone, but he plucked it out of the top corner um, after he made the the couple of saves previous yeah. where he smothered it. Um, I thought his distribution was better as well. He clipped a couple of nice balls into, sort of flatter balls into Embleton in the pocket and, and into Ross Stewart as well. Uh, and, and just those playing out from the back as well. You know, a lot of teams have, have tended to go this way, in, uh, you know, even at League One level in trying to play out where the centre-halves a splitting in the 18-yard box and the keeper's playing and then that's what we seem to be going down that route as well now with, you know, it was Bailey Wright and, and Doyle at the weekend and Hoffman's happy to, to play it, lend it to them, get it back and then Fleetwood, to be fair, pushed on five or six men and then it, once they're doing that, he's just beating the press with a little drop ball into Embleton or into Ross Stewart then. Um, and then, as I said, second half, he did make that one good save from the header or like maybe it's at him and it's point blank, but he made a good save. Um, but other than that, he didn't have a, a lot to do in terms of making, you know, top class saves, did he? No, no. Um, encouraging, though, I think there was there was a definite improvement. Um, other saw, than that, I mean, th- we saw what th- he was. We saw what you know from a bread and butter goal, you know, goalkeeper perspective. In that they're there to save the there to make saves. We saw he was capable of making a variety of different saves. Um, you know, which was it was good to see him stretched in some ways to say, you know, well, yeah, he might be a bit shaky with balls in the box or whatever, but <clears throat> the bread and butter stuff he was more than capable of. And those, you know, the one on one, yeah, the, the the striker probably should do a bit better um, in in terms of you know the contact on the shot. But you know, he stood up and made the save. Obviously, got the tackle in. Great save for the one that was pulled up for the foul, like Danny says. So. That was good. Um, another positive, definitely. Obviously, your striker scoring. Your man again. He keeps, you know, keeps on getting in the positions to score. Not didn't get in areas to score as frequently as we've seen. Um, Mr. Good header before yeah, that. Yeah, he did. Well, I think the, uh, defend, the defender missing the ball probably. You probably didn't think. I mean, the defender should never have missed that. I think it's one of them point, where like off a bit, isn't it? yeah, she surprised him. He probably could have chested it down. Um, uh, I think as well, Gaz, no, I was going to say, there was a, going back to those crosses that were coming in, uh, he had a couple, then the Embleton fired one across from the left-hand side where he had to check his run because he thought he was going to be offside and Embleton had to visit with a lot of pace and then same Winchester put a great ball across from the right-hand side where Ross has tried to get there and it's just zipped across him. So frustrating that he, you know, he, he's getting in there and it was just the, the pace that was on the crosses which was just beating him at the weekend. But no, fair play. I actually spoke to uh, Danny Andrew, who's the, the left back for Fleetwood at the weekend after the game, and um, he said, "Oh, it's offside that first one." But I don't think. I mean, I've looked at it back, and we only had that one angle. But I think there was a man deep on the on the back of the yeah. box, really, and he looked a, a yard deeper. And Ross's yeah. movement was quite clever when you look at it. He sort of starts offside, takes a couple of yards to his right, I think, <laughs> to get himself back onside. So again, it's difficult when you're not looking down the line of it. You know, you've only got that one camera from the halfway line, but. You know, I, I do think that there was a lad deeper that was playing him on. Okay. Um, the team selection just before we, we move on was was one we all predicted, I think. the You know, um, 
Flanagan had to come out of the team through suspension. Uh, Bailey Wright come in. I think you've you've had your views on on that, Danny, on his influence in the goal. Um, would we expect the change to be made? The reverse change to be made for the league game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not talking about Wigan again. Yeah, okay. yeah. Do we think? No, do we think Flanagan's going to come come back in for yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, he'll come straight back in, I'd imagine so, yeah. You know, obviously, if Bailey comes in and we, we have a clean sheet and, you know, he has a, a you know a great game, um, then he, he argues that would he have stayed in the team? But I think the fact that we obviously conceded two goals and he was he was involved in that in that second one, certainly then, you know, as I said before, Flanagan, I think he's been great this season. Um, he's just got to obviously keep an eye on his yellow cards, what he's racking up, you know, five and six games. But uh, no, he's been great. I'd imagine he'll come straight back in. I know we're not going to mention... Uh, the, the team for the, the Wigan game but I'd imagine that, that maybe 10, 10 changes I'd certainly rack up a load of changes give some lads game time who need some game time because we you know look at the strength and depth of the squad we've got this season Aidan O'Brien prime example gets a hat-trick in the last round and we haven't seen him since he's not he's not making the squad so he'll probably play uh, tomorrow night and there's, there's other options Pritchard needs a run out you know Broadhead Huggins uh, Alves there's all these lads that need to come in and get some game time mm. I don't know. It's interesting. Well, I mean, we'll we'll touch on that after the break. But I mean, finally, on that, do you think lack of confidence? We're right. Do you think at the moment? I mean, there was a lot of talk, public talk. You know, his manager speaking about him in the summer, saying you know things like the ownership haven't seen the best of of Bailey, which I'm not I, I'm not sure that was wise because it, it's given the impression that um, he's having to persuade. You know, he's, it's given the impression that he's been told to sell him, and he and he's having to talk. The powers above that. Oh, actually, no. He's he's a good player, and um, you know, regardless of whether he should be saying that publicly, do we do we think there's just a lack of confidence from Bailey right at the moment in his performances? I think if you look at pre-season, I think he, he maybe was told that if he could find a club, he can possibly leave. He'd be down the pecking order, you know, with Doyle coming in and, and Flanagan being ahead of him as well, and then Alves has come in. But um, no, I think he knows that he's, he's he's almost being a bit part, and he keep, he's been coming off the bench, hasn't he, for that last 10, 15 minutes, just to try and you know, as the as the manager sees it, to shore things up with with the opposition lumping balls into the box, and just to to try and keep us organised. But I don't think it was to do with, with his fitness or anything like that at the weekend. Uh, you know, overall, I didn't think he was too bad in terms of competing. He won a lot of headers up against Morton, especially in the first half. As we said, Morton found it difficult. Playing through the middle, um, I thought him and Doyle looked after him quite well until he moved to the left second half. Uh, he had one or two, but that one first half where he, he got in a bit of a mess, didn't he? And uh, thankfully, Morton did as well and ran it out of play. And then second half, it's just that's nothing to do with fitness. It's all concentration. It's just decision-making where he's took it upon himself to, to grapple with the lad and to pull his shirt more so than he needed to, I think. Mm, okay. Well, we'll have a little break and then we'll come back and we'll we'll uh, look at some Twitter interaction and we might touch on that Wigan game a little bit. But, uh, you know, like I say, there's going to be wholesale changes, I think. The Wise Men Say podcast is brought to you in association with From the Terrace. Cargo shorts. For a 10% discount, enter the code WMS10 at the checkout stage. Or bucket heads. While you do that, check out the From the Terraces podcast, presented by Rory Fallow and Matthew Keeling. T-shirts. For more information, search for From the Terraces on social media. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome back to the Wise Men Say podcast. We are just going to spend the next 10 minutes now or so looking at your Twitter interaction. I hope there's been some, by the way, because I'm uh, I'm saying that we're going to do that. And I haven't, you not, I, I haven't checked this. since I put the thing out, surely. Like, yeah. good, Twitter interaction, like, no questions whatsoever. Right, let's move on. Um, okay, so David Boyle asking about that. You mentioned it in the first half, Danny, but I guess ask you to elaborate your opinion. Um, and that's the thoughts... Well, you're seeing your thoughts as a pro to the shift of the the system laid on by Johnson, bringing on an extra defender to invite pressure. It's a very popular opinion at the moment. I know you're saying you didn't think it impacted the game uh, at the weekend. At the weekend, as much, yeah. But but overall, what, what what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I know. I know the thoughts of the fans are we've we've got away with it to some extent up till now. Haven't we, you know, first game of the season against Wigan. Um, there's other games at home. Um, apart from the Wickham game, really, I felt where we've had the majority of possession and, and control of the game. Um, I, I heard Lee Johnson speak about it, really. And he, he almost said he's in a, a catch-22 situation, really, in the fact that we're, we're coming towards the end of the game. You get a little bit nervy. We're dropping deep uh, and the opposition are, are chucking balls in the box. So he brings a defender on to try and help out. But then you, you're taking off a midfielder. Um, or a forward, but not so much Ross Stewart because he sees the game out, doesn't he? So whether it's a wide man in McGeady or Gooch or Embleton, you're losing an out ball then, aren't you, as well? It's okay when those balls are coming in, but it's when you're clearing it then, it's going straight back to the opposition who are picking it up on the halfway line and then they're coming again. And, and being in, in the stadium, like you know, you've obviously been back in there yourselves this season and you can just feel it in the ground, can't you? There's a bit of a nervous tension in and amongst the fans. You know, once that clock hits 80, 82 minutes onwards, you're looking up at the scoreboard and you can see the opposition are getting opportunities with the ball coming into the box. Um, but up until Saturday, we've managed to get away with it. And as I mentioned previously, we didn't, we didn't bring Alves on until the 90th minute at the weekend. It's not as if we, were, we brought him on with, you know, 15 minutes to go and then they were proper, you know, on top, uh, you know, showering us with balls, ball after ball coming into the box. Um, he actually done okay, I thought, when he came on. He won a couple of headers at the far post. Um, but... Ultimately, we didn't see the game out. And then, of course, the fans then look at it and then it gives them something to go at. And I, I can see it's a big topic of discussion at this moment in time. So whether Lee Johnson looks at it and assesses it and thinks, do I not say be brave and, and leave, you know, go for like for like, if I bring a midfielder off, I bring a, another a midfielder on? Or you know, do I bring Pritchard on towards the end of the game as opposed to a centre-half? That's something he might look at. But I think you have to look at the lads that are on the pitch as well for me. Um, their, their game management has to be better. Yes, I know the fans look to the manager, but those lads out there are experienced. I know we've got young lads, but there's experience out there to manage the game better. 
look after the ball better than what we're doing at this moment in time towards the end of the games. Okay, uh, Jordan Gowland's sort of gone the other way. Uh, no, sorry, um, Jordan Gowland was commenting on the penalties and he didn't think there were that there were penalties. This is uh, Mick Mack, seventy-eight, um, asking about Lee Johnson's reaction to officials. Do you think it's embarrassing, especially when TV evidence shows they've not done anything wrong? Um, his carry-on on Saturday after full time, followed up by his nonsensical ranting about the ref to the camera, made him look like a pleb. He says, "Let's not go that far." But um, what, what, what do you what do you think? Because it's been a couple of games now. He's stormed into the into the middle of the pitch to confront the referee, and it's the it's it's the two games we haven't won. Gaz, do you want to take that one or? <laughs> oh, he's so safe, isn't he? No, I mean, yeah, I, I, I guess uh, if you want me to answer that one, I will do. I think, you, I don't think, have no, to, you don't have to. <laughs> no, I think it's, you know, it's, it's the end of the game. He's, he's obviously furious of what's gone on. You know, we've let two points slip, um, you know, with, with 30 seconds left on the clock. Um, so he's obviously furious. And then he's, he, has, he probably hasn't, well, he hasn't certainly hasn't seen it back, has he? I'm, I'm sure he hasn't got a monitor in the dugout to see the, the penalty incident back. He thinks it's soft at the time. Um, and he's, t- he's taking his frustra- frustration out on the referee. More so, I think, when he sees it back, he, he may think it's a penalty, um, but he'll be-, he'll be more frustrated with the team, I think, from not seeing the game out. Um, yeah. What do you think I when the manager you- does that as a player? What, what do you- any-, any conversations going, or do you have any opinions? So when you're playing, if your manager's... Having a go at the referee at full yeah, time. Yeah, or having a rant in-, in the cameras and defending your performance, I guess, and, and saying it wasn't down to you. Yeah, I think at, the, at that moment in time, as soon as the final whistle goes, you're obviously shaking hands with the opposition. You gutted yourself that you haven't, you haven't picked up the three points, you haven't seen the game through. And then all of a sudden you look up and then your manager's in the referee's face a couple of yards away uh, with a few choice words for the referee. But until you've actually seen it back yourself as well, you know, saying it's Saturday, we only had that one camera. I looked at it four or five times and you're trying to, you know, is it a penalty, isn't it really? Um, and, and obviously he's given it. And then Lee Johnson... Perhaps hasn't had a good view of it himself. I'm sure he didn't from that side of the pitch. We probably had the better view from the camera side, to be honest. Um, and he's he's just frustrated. He's angry. Uh, I'd say more so after when he gets back on the bus, he'll have, he'll be straight onto the the guys who do all the laptop stuff. Can I get a look at the penalty back? And he'll have looked at it a couple of times. And he's probably like everybody else is. You're hearing some fans say it's a penalty, some aren't. Some some are saying it's soft. Um, and I'm sure more so he's frustrated with with the team from not managing the game better than what they have done. Got another question from Lee, uh, underscore B66, sort of, well, many were talking about the attacking um, intent now, whether he could be brave with substitutions from an attacking point of view. Lee's flipping it the other way. Um, would it be good to sacrifice some of our uh, attacking player for men we were going to stop leaking as many goals? Uh, well, I think I think we have done that, really, haven't we? That's that's what the the fans are thinking. The problem is, but no, it's a strange I think, I think, one. I guess, yeah, I, but, I guess he's meaning from the start. Are we, are we are we two on the front foot? Which I don't think a lot of fans would agree with. At the moment, it's great watching us play like this. Yeah, no, I I, I enjoy watching. As I said, there obviously doing the commentary, but it's it's an enjoyable watch at the minute, and it, playing in a, dif- a different way. I think, and I'm sure the fans have sent, seen that and said the same thing. And the fact that we seem to be playing through the middle of the pitch better, uh, we're cutting teams open easy with you know two or three passes. From, from the back into midfield and then onto Ross Stewart, whether he's running in behind, we seem to be getting in a lot easier this season. Um, but no, I certainly wouldn't be looking at changing it there. We're, we're pressing teams high. I think something we maybe look at is, that, I wouldn't say, are we running out of steam a little bit after sort of six, 70 minutes or so, possibly because of the, the, 
the intensity, what we're, we're almost playing at really. We're getting after teams, we're stopping teams playing out from the back a lot more this season as well. Uh, but then you look at the bench and I think we've got the personnel now to, to change it. And to, you know, if you're looking at 60, 65 minutes, if someone's maybe a little bit leggy, uh, they've got to let the bench know and uh, the manager's got the options there to, to change it and, and to carry on in the way we're playing. And, I, you know, looking at the Chelsea game yesterday, I'm not comparing us to Chelsea by, by any means, but I look at them against Tottenham. They were 2-0 up and they didn't take the foot off the gas and just, yeah. you know, drop the... They went for the they went for the third, they went for the fourth. Do you know what I mean? And do we want to do that as much? I'm not saying... We, that, yeah. yeah. Watching that game, yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying we have to go gung-ho and go and get the third as much, but just keep playing in the same way as what we have done. Keep moving the ball around the pitch because I think we're... If, we, if we've got eight or nine outfield players on their game at it, then we're more than capable of keeping the ball and working the opposition to death, really, and seeing the game out. Yeah, I saw that when, when Chelsea scored their second. It was about 67 minutes, wasn't it? And I remember thinking, yeah. like, I remember thinking this is about 10 minutes ahead of where we went turning it up. Yeah, you're not for one minute. Nobody watching that Spurs-Chelsea yeah. game thought that there was a remote possibility Spurs were going to come back in. Now, no. I'm not saying they would have done when Sunderland scored the second, but after a couple of minutes of the goal it became clear that they were going to give it a good go and, and I do and I do wonder myself if sometimes his subs could be braver like you say you don't necessarily need to put another defender on maybe just freshen it up in other areas and, and don't take off you know he'd already, he'd already taken Dan Neil off who's got that who's got that ball you know the goal threat and then he took McGeady off yeah. didn't he and yeah I, yeah, I wonder it, I, he'd be giving this some thought now I think because he he, 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 he does come across like a person who always questions himself yeah, possibly. I think, but going to Saturday, I just said it then. It's not as if the first change he made at the weekend was, you know, we, oh, right, I'm going to drop a centre half in there. We were winning 1 0 at the time, weren't we, when yeah. we made the first substitution? And then he brings Broadhead comes on for, for Embleton, and um, Corey Evans, as you said, comes on for Dan Neal. But it's as if he's, then, it's as if he's thought, right, I'm going to, tr-, it's as if he's took it on board and says, right, I'm going to try and not make that change. And yeah. then when he's getting, he's getting to the 90th minute, he's like, I can't, I can't do it, I can't do it. Yeah. I'm going to yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to put a defender on. Yeah, yeah, it is. And then, as I say, there, if it if it if it works out, and we don't concede that goal, is anybody really saying anything about it? Such the fact that we conceded that goal, you know, everybody then everybody then uh, jumps on top of it again. So uh, it's one of those. I'm sure he'll look at it and uh, whether he, you know, he stays with what he believes in and that's what he wants to do. Then then so be it. You know, at the end of the day, he's the manager who makes those decisions. Okay. Um... We have a question from uh, Sunderland AFC Argentina who've asking about your opinion on any Argentine players who you played with the club. You play any? Play with any lads uh, from, Argent- from Argentina? Yeah. Did we, you, your course, yeah. Julio you, you always, Arte, yeah. You, you always yeah. forget about the crossover with Julio because he signed for us. Yeah. In the season we finished seventh under Peter Reid and you kind of forget how long he, he stuck around before he left. Yeah, he was, he was there, obviously. Um, I signed under Mick, didn't I? So he'd been there a couple of years, Julio. Um, obviously, yeah, good lad. Uh, great in training, good on the ball. It was like a magnet stuck to his feet. And, you know, whether he played at left-back or out on the left-hand side, he was uh, he put a shift in, didn't he? Not just his technical ability. Sometimes I think these lads are OK going forward, but don't quite do it as, as well going back towards their own goal. But I liked Julio as well. I thought he could work his shift throughout the 90 minutes. Uh, so, yeah, a good lad. He was good. He used to come on the podcast as well when he lived local, Julio Arca, but he's uh, he moved back to Buenos Aires last time I heard. Uh, don't know if he's don't know if he's back over. Any other Argentine lads for any other clubs just while we're on the subject? Uh, I think uh, one at Rotherham, actually, Manuel Ledesma. I think he played for Middlesbrough as well, if I, if I recall. Um, mm. He was at, yeah, he was at uh, 
at Rotherham for, for a little bit, I think. Okay, um, can't, can't see how yeah. <laughs> Right. So, yeah, they're, they're the two mate, that jump out. Whether I played with any more, I'm not, uh, not too sure. I'd have to think. Uh, Tom Pugh is asking, what is the funniest Ask Danny that you've read? Do you get to see them or does Frankie control all of that? No, Frankie doesn't actually. It's, it's no, the he gets fed the, through. The producers obviously feed it through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they obviously come in obviously before the end of the game. Um, they'll they'll have a look through them. Obviously, put the ones on which they feel are suitable to go on. I have had a look actually after the <laughs> show, and I've seen some I've seen some daft ones on there to be honest, but uh, ones that can't be aired. But uh, yeah, they, <laughs> any, they try. Any, any you can share. Uh, I think there's obviously one or two tits or arse man, Danny. You know that type of stuff <laughs> <laughs> coming out on there. But uh, yeah, they obviously can't be aired on the on the stream. But no, they, they those, ones, those are tweets from Frankie. <laughs> Yeah, they're the ones from Frankie, yeah. No, but yeah, they, they put the ones on which are obviously suitable, really. And, uh, you know, it's whether we've had, we haven't had a, a bad result as such yet. We haven't mm-hmm. had a 3 4 nil hammering this season, have we? So it's not as if they're going to come on ranting and raving, the, the Astanis. And I have to try and dance around them a little bit. But uh, no, so far, so good. They, they all come in and I'll try and answer them as, as best as I can. You know, if I, have to, if I have to dig any of the lads out, then so be it. You know, I've been there in the past as a player and, Pundits have dug me out, I'm sure. So it's it's part and parcel of the job. Have you ever um, been dug out by a pundit? One that run, one that jumps to your memory where you've been furious with something, something somebody's wrote, written about you or said about you. Uh, not so much. That. I remember there was a game years ago. Actually, it was uh, I was playing for Forest. I think it was against Watford. Um, it was on Sky, and I think it was, I think it was Don Goodman actually. He, he pointed the finger at me for, for one of the goals we conceded. I was marking somebody else. And then I think Troy Deeney scored off a corner and he, he dug me out as in I was marking him, but I was picking up someone else. So, yeah, I wasn't, wasn't too happy with that one. But apart from that, mate, not too many are jumping out off the top of my head. Though. Didn't make any mistakes. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's it. Faultless, yeah. unflappable. So, plus, plus they, they had the benefit of 12, 15 cameras at the games, mate. You know, we're, we're working on, the, on a single cam more often than not, aren't we, at these... Are these League One grounds, so uh, we we get the benefit of the doubt, really, if we if we do pick someone out for for, for being the wrong person. Remember, remember when yeah, Dick Ad- remember when uh, Dick Advocate wanted to sack Craig from the Echo? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even though he didn't work for the Echo, <laughs> we uh, we had a, we used to have a column in the Echo, and we used to like just obviously pass that around and give our opinions yeah. on the game and stuff like that. And Craig Clark did it for us one week and. Sort of ripped into Dick Advocate's Wait, tactics it was, and it was stuff, a substitution. It? it was, I think, it was, it was a sub, reduced or something. But we, yeah. well, it was a season he started terrible, wasn't it? And we were far to yeah. open, and we were just getting ripped to shreds every week. And Craig went in on that, and he, he turned up to the press conference and said, "Where's Alan Clark?" He called him Alan, didn't he? he said, yeah, "Where's Alan, Alan Clark? <laughs> Where's Alan Clark from the Echo?" <laughs> and he, uh, he wanted him sacked. So yeah, happy days, happy days. Those. Um, are you just you enjoying the? the core comms and stuff now Danny because obviously you know um, generally players go one of two ways when they retire uh, broadcasting or coaching and you're doing a bit of both you've done though haven't you? Uh, not so much coaching yet I've obviously done my B licence a couple of years ago so uh, that's on the back burner I was supposed to do my A licence uh, in the summer but that got put on hold with COVID uh, but no obviously enjoying the the, uh, the, the co-coms with Frankie the, the podcasts as well uh, and, and it's better this year as well, having the fans back in the ground. You know, we've said it before last year in the stadium alike with maybe 10, 15 directors and scouts sat below us. Eerie place to be, no atmosphere in there, but it helps with the 
with the fans being back in this season, 30,000 in there, you know, you, you almost feed off the, the atmosphere in the ground as well. And it helps as well with the performances that the boys have been putting in. You know, if it's a, a, a dour encounter where there's not much happening and all the opposition are on top in a lot of the game, then it's, it's, so it's, it's difficult, really. You know, there's not much to feed on. But at this moment in time, we're creating a lot of chances. You know, we're on the front foot, uh, positive results. So it, it helps us out there. OK. Lots of changes for Wigan game than we think. Uh, will this have any relevance to the form or morale of the players this game? I, I'd say not really, no. I'd imagine Wigan will be happy to make some changes as well, uh, whether they make three three or four, sorry, that stay in from their so-called starting eleven. I think you look at ours, if... if you want me to name a start eleven? Imagine Burge will come in, Huggins, Alves. I'd probably keep Bailey Wright in. Um, if Denver Hume's not fit, which I don't think he is, then Circuit could probably do with another ninety minutes. Um, then in midfield, who comes in in there? Corey Evans will come in. I'd imagine Dan Neal possibly alongside him. I'd rest Luke O'Nine with his dodgy shoulder, um, and then you know that front four really. I think you have got Broadhead, uh, O'Brien. Pritchard and Diaku could come in, I think. So that's that's maybe, you know, we're guessing, aren't we? That's possibly your starting eleven. Lads who need game time, I think. And lads who could do with the rest. It would be good to hopefully see some of those forward players try to make a mark and push, although, like you said, O'Brien, I mean, he could have done more and his last game's gone out, Rick, and he still hasn't had a look yeah. in. So maybe they're thinking they're, uh, they're stuck anywhere. But, well, it's uh, probably a bit of a, you know, interesting for him, wasn't it? After scoring the hat, he's probably thinking, right, like... Few new lads come in, but you know, I'm back. I'm, back, I'm purely like well, he can't do any more can now. You? And then he then he tries to sell him. <laughs> okay, yeah. send him out on a load of Doncaster. Then he gets dropped from the squad. So he probably probably should have thought, well, why did I bother? Yeah, he'd yeah, be if, frustrated, Monaco. Yeah, if there was an example of a of a scenario when it's okay for a player to knock on the manager's door, uh, you could definitely definitely say that one how many doors have you knocked on Danny asking to be in the team the press love that one don't they knocking on the manager's door knocking on the manager's door yeah it's funny as well because a lot of managers will say my door's always open if you want to come and speak to me but it's amazing when you do go and knock on their door that a few of them aren't quite as keen to have a chat with you um, I think every player's been there you know I've been there myself I've played played in games where I've done well and kept a clean sheet and then the next game if you're taking out the team and then you, you, you go and see the manager um, and he, sometimes they dance around an excuse really um, so that's just how it goes but yeah with Aidan O'Brien I think scoring that hat-trick there was obviously talk about him I think it was Doncaster he was supposed to be going was it and then yeah. that fell through um, so he's had to you know knuckle down and he'll, he'll be frustrated obviously with the amount of game time he's getting and certainly now after scoring a hat-trick as you say he's not even been involved in the last two matchday squads has he in the league so but he's got to just carry on training, carry on, you know, chipping in and hopefully putting in performances when he gets the opportunity, whether it's the Papa John's or or tomorrow night in the in the League Cup. Um, so that's how it is for a lot of these boys at the minute. Some of the lads coming in from Premier League clubs, you know, Huggins, uh, Broadhead, uh, Alves, these lads coming in, maybe thinking, well, I'm going down to League One, I'll, I'll go straight into the team. But, you know, we're sat top of the table, so it's been difficult for them to get the game time they've wanted. They've just got to bide their time and, and carry on, hopefully, training hard and pushing the boys who do have the shirts at the minute. Yeah, OK, well, like you said, it probably doesn't have much of an impact on the on the players, but I definitely think it would have an impact on the fans. You want to try and avoid a defeat and try and get the feel-good factor back after throwing away the game of the weekend. So hopefully we can do that. Um, the lads will be back for a preview show on Thursday. Bolton up next, who I know they lost to the weekend, didn't they? But they've looked good so far this season. Bolton have looked all right, so that's going to be a, a tricky game. We're going to be back in the Peacock as well. 
and we want you to come along and speak to us there, Gareth, don't we? We yeah, uh, doors at one o'clock ish or quarter past one, and then we we get started a little bit after that. Darren Williams is going to come along. Um, always does well with with the crowd. Darren, he's always, he always goes down well. That's why we yeah, yeah. we asked him to come back. It's been a couple of years now since we've since we've done this, and obviously we don't do them before every home game. We just sort of uh, do a select few. So it would be Would really you... good if you come down and just have a bit of crack with us. And... Do you know what? <laughs> we last time we trying to the last time we we're trying to organise one, it was with. Uh... Vic Hallam, so I'll have to get back in touch with him, see if he wants to do it. But I think he was moving back over from Bulgaria and he was going, oh, um, they're very worried here about um, this virus and they don't, they're not sure we'll be able to actually like leave the country and all this now is kind of gone. Yeah, okay then. <laughs> or before it all kicked off. You yeah, know? yeah, this oh, was like okay, February right. time. I was thinking, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll be fine. Don't is worry it, about is it, it. Is a Bulgaria Hungary? Is he from Hungary or something? Is it Bulgaria? Is it Bulgaria? Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think he's back over now, so it might be easier for him. You know, it was good. Yeah, he, he was really good when he did it for us before. Yeah, yeah. But Darren Williams always popular because yes, he's absolutely. from a, he's from an era um, where we always remember fondly that goal of Middlesbrough, of course, a winner, um, a famous iconic photo of him celebrating Nick, as, as Shearer has his head in his hands after Sorensen serves that penalty as well. So he's a very good servant and a very good talker as well. He's got some really good stories, Darren. So it'd be good to see you all down there. Come and have a bit crack, listen to what Darren's got to say, have a couple of pints. Um, you get um, ham and peace pudding stock he's made for you. Uh, how many people can say Why, that? But, 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 ha, Barry Hyde is going yeah, yeah. to actually make you um, a ham and peace pudding sandwich. Go Almost a... Bob Mortimer would I lie to you, that, isn't it? Yeah. I was once made a ham and peas pudding sandwich by Barry Hyde from the yeah. Future Heads. And he yeah, yeah, there he's, you he's go. already mentioned it there when I was speaking to him. He's like, don't forget to mention the uh, <laughs> the ham and peas pudding sandwiches. So he's he's keen to do it. And he walks around with his pinion and gives them out. So it's really, really good. So we'd love to see you there um, on Saturday before the bottle match. Come along for that. And uh, thanks to Danny for coming on. Always a pleasure. And thanks to you for listening, as always. <laughs> Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.